Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Ask any married man, and he will tell you that the single most important virtue of a wife is her chastity or her faithfulness. Once that is gone, it's very difficult to hold a marriage together. In the Old Testament book of Hosea, Jehovah likened the nation of Israel to an unchaste wife. Israel had been betrothed to God, but soon went after others and became caught up in spiritual harlotry. As a result, Jehovah was left with no choice but to chasten her. His chastening, or discipline, was motivated not by his wrath, but rather by his unchanging love. And Hosea chapters 11 through 14 give the account of how this mighty and powerful, unchanging love of God eventually subdued Israel and even transformed her. James Lee has joined us as we uh, come near the end. James, of our life study of Hosea, we're in the, all of the minor prophets together as, as a collection, but uh, this uh, first minor prophet has been very striking, this metaphor of Israel as an unchaste, an unfaithful wife is unmistakable, isn't it, in how it applies even to us as God's people today. Yeah, this uh, the story here is very interesting, how God uses metaphor and even as Hosea to marry this harlot as his wife to illustrate this relationship of God's people toward God, which is a critical matter because once, as you mentioned earlier, Chris, that as a wife uh, lost her chastity toward her husband, that marriage is gone. And the relationship between God and man is likened to this marriage relationship. God desires us to love him purely, singly, and absolutely, and not to be mixed up with all the things of the world of idolatry. And uh, so God used this illustration to impress us because surely a picture speaks better than a thousand words. Yeah, right, right. And I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know how... Hosea uh, actually did it, but uh, he just followed God's instruction, and they became a very vivid picture to portray the importance of this relationship God desires from man. The Lord's love to uh, us, His people, uh, whether it's His Old Testament people or the you know the New Testament believers, it comes on many levels. I think we'll see that brought out today. We have this. Uh, particular type of the husband-wife relationship. In other words, a romantic love, a, right. a, a, an intimate and affectionate love. Uh, we'll see in the course of our program today, and as these chapters uh, develop, chapters 11 through 14, the metaphor changes somewhat. And mm-hmm. not just as a wife does he refer to his people, but as a son. That's right. Another kind of love here. Right. Uh, not so much an affectionate romantic love, mm-hmm. but the love of a father to his son. And right. that is really the powerful love that becomes such a factor in what happens to Israel 
And we experience God's love on all of these levels ourselves, don't we? Exactly. I mean, God's love is uh, comes to us in different levels. Uh, when we first met the Lord, um, He loves us just, you know, He draws us with His affection, with His compassion. But then as we get to know Him more, that we appreciate and enjoy His love in a deeper level. Right. That His love actually has a more regenerative uh, effect that to actually cause us to experience His living within us to produce something of himself as a result of us, you know, enjoying his love. So there are different aspects to God's love, and it's seen here in the story of uh, Hosea with his wife and and children. As we're just about at the end, uh, this has been such a dominant theme, this matter of uh, uh, Jehovah coming to Hosea the prophet and telling him to take this harlot as a wife uh, so he would understand so vividly what God feels like. Uh, Let's review those verses in chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3, at the beginning of Jehovah speaking to Hosea, Jehovah said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of harlotries and children of harlotries, for the land is entirely given over to harlotry, and thus departs from Jehovah. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. All right, let's join with Lee, uh, James, as we talk about the metaphor, really, that is the whole book of Hosea. Beautiful, poetic metaphor. Hosea's writing is a metaphor. God used him to marry a heart. He was charged by God to do it. So this actor, right, he acted that way. His marriage is a performance. Actually, he was not the real husband. Neither Gomer was a real wife. So all this is a performance, drama, to demonstrate that Israel, as a wife of God, she was not chaste. She was not honest, not faithful to her husband. This is first emphasis of this book. Hosea describes all the evils of this unchaste wife. Do you know, as a wife, once you become no more chaste, all evil things will follow. Concerning our relationship with God, once if we would forsake Him, this forsaking of God will lead us in a poor, poor situation. We could do any kind of evil just because we have forsaken God. And this is the second point of Hosea's emphasis. In his striking the evils of the unchaste wife, he classified the things. Firstly, he classified their people's evil in a general way. Then he classified the priests as a particular group of people. Then he classified their prophets, uh, the kings, the princes, as another category. Then he also showed us the sins, the evils of Israel in their common daily social life. Then he shows us the evils of Israel in their relationship with God. And the last point in describing the evils 
of Israel is the stubbornness. God did that much over her, yet she still would go away. The main thing is the stubbornness of Israel. James, uh, we alluded to this in the opening of the program. Once this matter of the chastity, the, the, the faithfulness has been ruptured, has been uh, lost in a marriage, really everything then just descends downhill. Right. And uh, we see this similar kind of progression, don't we, in, in the history of Israel. Uh, once they had gone after other gods and, and got involved in idolatry, all manner of things uh, overtook the nation of Israel. That's right. Once we lose the um, the chastity, it's like a dam broken loose. Yeah. All the things just uh, start gushing out, all the evils. It brings me to appreciate uh, God's word through Jeremiah even more that he said uh, his people committed two evils. Yeah. The first one was that they have forsaken God as the fountain of living water. Our relationship with God, our staying with God is so pivotal to all the blessings positively. And same thing negatively, if our forsaking of God is so pivotal to all the curse and all the release of all the negative things that we may bring in. And in our own experience, the same thing. When we forsake God and we open to the world, we open to sins, we open to lust, we open to so many things, they begin to just creep in just uh, little by little. And sometimes just unconsciously, we just expose ourselves to all these things of the devil just simply because we have taken a stand. Apart from God, we have forsaken God. We have just totally turned our face away from God. That is so essential. I believe that's why the Lord Jesus says one of the first commandment is that we have to love the Lord our God. That should be the number one thing. Never, never forsake God. The middle chapters in this book of Hosea seem to just emphasize over and over again, not only that the sins were increasing, but this stubbornness that he referred to. This is a main point of emphasis in Hosea's writing. That's right. Israel just became utterly obstinate in That's right. uh, her uh, refusal to turn back to God. And That's of course, right. we had this verse, I think, in chapter 7 about being like an unturned cake, right. charred on one side and still doughy on the other. That's right. No willingness to, to turn their heart back to God. But eventually... The book uh, results in a, a marvelous kind of period of restoration, which is what we'll look at in these next two sections. Chapters 11 through 14 are really the, the chapters of restoration, where his unchanging love, now which will be characterized in, in from this point on as the love of a father towards his son, right. is so powerful, eventually it breaks her down. That's right. And uh, how many times have we had our, this same experience, James? That's right. I mean, we... Because of our forsaking of God, not knowingly, we became very stubborn. Yeah. The more you forsake God, the more you become stubborn. But thank God that he has a much more powerful love, stronger than our stubbornness. <laughs> yes. So eventually, well, thank him that he won and uh, not us. So, you know, we thank the Lord for his mercy. So on the one hand, we really uh, appreciate his love for us, but also, you know, because of the nature that we are, we are so easy, so prone to be distracted and resulting in our stubbornness and God's love, which is so uh, unyielding and, and swerving, that just keeps coming to us again and again until we are defeated by right. him. So <laughs> this is quite marvelous. Let's look at just a couple of verses here. As we've seen, um, Jehovah views his people as his wife in an affectionate way. But he also views this as a child. 
in chapter 11, verse 1 of Hosea, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, this really touches a prophecy, a big prophecy in the yes. Bible, fulfilled in the New Testament. But if we go back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says Jehovah, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Mm. Let my son go that he may serve me. Right. So now we want to see the uh, power of this unchanging love that God has towards his people Amen. as a son. The subject of Hosea chapters 11, 12, 13, 14 is firstly God's everlasting love versus the stubbornness of Israel. So, the first section of this is to show us the stubbornness. After this, we come to the everlasting love of God. All four chapters are on the everlasting love of God. Now, you have to know, the whole book denotes that Israel was God's wife. But when Hosea comes to the everlasting love of God, he tells us Israel is God's son. Israel, as God's son, has the Father's life. No one can have your life except your children. So, to begin to tell us something about God's everlasting love, aha, uh-huh, the tone of Hosea changes. Change from the wife to the son. With our wives, our love is in affection. But with our son, our love is not in affection. Our love is what? In life. In life. This is why at the end of this section, chapter 14, at the end, my, all the transformations of life. Israel got transformed to be a lily, transformed to be a Lebanon tree, transformed to be all the living things with life. Transformation could only be available by life. Today, let me take it with you. God loves you as his wife or as his son. Our husband is the Lord Jesus. And our father is God, the father. On the one hand, we are the wife of the husband. On the other hand, we are the son of the father. You have to remember, wife is a matter of love in affection. And son is a matter of love in life. James, I think that those of us who are parents can maybe relate to this. Uh, you know, we certainly enjoy a kind of love with our, our wife, our, our spouse, that is um, has a very distinct, marvelous character to it. But the love towards our children, there is a power there, isn't there, that magnified, I think, in the divine relationship. Right. God's love towards us as his children right. uh, is, is probably the most powerful force in the universe. Right. I appreciate when Ms. Lee pointed out this relationship revealed here between husband and wife and also father and son. Uh, this uh, love in affection versus love in life. Uh, as uh, husbands uh, with our wives, there is uh, definitely the love in affection. And But 
uh, our affection, our feeling, uh, which is related to our emotion, uh, is subject to a lot of things. It can be up one day, it can right. be down another day, That's and right. something can break out, and then something can affect the stage of our affection and our emotion. But our love in life, however, is uh, is something much more, you know, substantial and and dependable. It, regardless of what the outward circumstances are, the life is still there, and the life that is passed on from the father to the son is. Is there within? Is there linking these two parties together, regardless of what the outward environments are? They may affect the kind of the stage of affection, maybe, but the life that cause that brings that joins the uh, the father and the son together is uh, is powerful, and there's always something linking uh, these two p- parties together: the father and the son. And and here the the Bible uses this relationship to show God's everlasting love toward us. Um, that he will never give up because he has planted his life within us. They will never give up. James, uh, we're at the final section here, chapter 14. I'd actually like to read a fair amount of this because it, it illustrates what we're now talking about so vividly. If you get into these mid-chapters in Hosea, it's quite depressing, really, yeah, because it is. Israel's depicted in such a uh, oh. despicable light. Right. Uh, we see just attribute after attribute of just this uh, despicable behavior and the rejection of Jehovah utterly. Right. Now we come to 14, chapter 14. And we're seeing the effect of this everlasting, unchanging love of God yeah. and the breaking down of Israel's resistance and stubbornness. And so the picture here is, as he said, it's poetic, mm-hmm. but it's so vivid. Let's just read a few of these verses. That's good. Mm-hmm. Return, O Israel, to Jehovah your God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take words with you and return to Jehovah. Say to him, forgive all iniquity and take us graciously. Thus we will render our lips as bowls. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say again to the work of our hands, our God. Because in you the orphan finds compassion. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will bud like the lily and will send forth his roots like the trees of Lebanon. Hmm. His shoots will go forth, and his splendor will be like that of the olive tree, and his fragrance like that of the trees of Lebanon. Those who sit under his shade will return. They will revive like grain, and will bud like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim says, What have I yet to do with idols? I respond and look on him. I am like a green fir tree. From me your fruit is found. Oh. Wow, that is right. Well, this is the love of our God towards us. Here's when to sleep with our final portion. Our relationship with God is one of life. And this life is the divine life, the uncreated life, the eternal life, the life of God. And firstly, this life enlivens us. And then falling on this life regenerates us. And then this life sanctifies us positionally and dispositionally. Then this life renews us. And then this life what transforms us. Then this life conforms us. 
and then this life matures us. And eventually this life glories us, making us absolutely the same as God in nature, in life, in appearance, in glory. We are the same as God. It's wonderful. Wonderful transformation. So up to this point, Israel would say, what have I yet to do with adults? That means Israel declares no more adults. Then God answered, okay, I will look on you. I will have compassion on you. I will have grace on you. I will look on you. Then what? Then you read. Then God is like a green fir tree, signifying his being living and evergreen. I hope that all will be brought to this extent. Firstly, an unturned cake. Secondly, silly death. Thirdly, a deceitful bow. Now, we would say, what have we to do yet with adults? No more adults. We are just the lilies, the Lebanon trees, the fig trees, the vine trees, the grains, and we have our fruit out of the evergreen God. So, the result of this book is the transformation in life by God's love. God loved us as a father, giving us his nature, his life, that we could be transformed step after step, sanctified, renewed, transformed, confirmed, matured, and glorified. And he is a green fair tree, and we have our fruit from him. Very good. And this is Hosea. James, my appreciation of this book and of Hosea has really been elevated by this oh, life study. Too. These expressions and how much they convey, it's really quite rich, isn't it? Absolutely. It's hard to believe that this was the Israel that was prescribed at the beginning of this book. <laughs> yeah. What a transformation. And... Um, God's economy is fully revealed in such an Old Testament book showing God's desire not just merely loves us, but also imparted his life right. as shown in the relationship of the Father into the Son. And through this life, God did so much in, in Israel as a corporate person to eventually become all these wonderful things that uh, they could bear fruit out of this evergreen God, as they said. I love it. We are full of hope, Chris. I yeah. think I feel uh, in spite of our shortcomings, our stubbornness, but yet God's everlasting love in life came to us with such power, you know, slowly, bit by bit, transforming us from stage to stage, eventually glorifying us to become the same as he is. I like your word that we, we have hope. Yes. Even the days we wake up feeling like an unturned cake or a silly dove. Right. <laughs> or a deceitful doughy. Yeah, still doughy on top. <laughs> Uh, there is hope for us because of the power of uh, this life that has been imparted. Yeah. Uh, wow. Transformation is a, a reality, isn't it, James? Absolutely. And it is our hope. That's right. 
Well, in our next program, we'll have a concluding life study, a concluding message to this life study of Hosea. We will not have any of uh, Witness Lee's recording. It actually was a message that he gave that wasn't fully recorded, but we do have the printed message, and so uh, Ron Kangas will be here uh, and we'll cover this one. I, I, you really don't want to miss this one. There's a, uh, a very special portion here in Chapter 11, three types of Christ revealed that are, are very special and a perfect conclusion to this. And we'll go on to Joel and the other uh, prophets and the minor prophets as we continue on in this life study. I know your schedule's quite crowded with a, a lot of traveling, but when you're in town, uh, you have an open invitation. We hope you'll join us for as many of these as possible. Love to be here. Thank you. We hope also you'll contact us uh, to get the printed life study material. We can also tell you about the things that are available on the Internet, uh, the recorded programs, the podcasting, so many things. If you'd like to find out about any or all of this, call us at our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And join us again for our next program in the life study of the Minor Prophets. For James Lee, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. You can now enjoy titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit lsm.org slash ePublications to find all that LivingStream has available. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can enjoy this ministry on all kinds of PC and Mac devices. Many of our publications are also available on Amazon.com and at iTunes. But to see everything we have to offer, visit our website at lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.